Leafs Lightning Game 5 goes down tonight at Scotiabank Arena with the series tied at a game apiece. Today, Dave and I explaining what we've learned through four games through the series so far and how we think Toronto can get advantage back tonight on home ice. All that and more on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked on Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you haven't already, go subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Uh, we'll be doing a giveaway once we get to a 1,000 subs. So we're still about 300 or so away. We've eclipsed the 700 sub mark. Appreciate everyone who has. If you haven't or it's your first time joining us, hopefully you like it and hit subscribe. Leave a comment below, smash that like button, all the stuff that all those YouTubers say. Um, let's get on with the show here, Dave, because this is an important one. Yeah. We're going into a pivotal game five in the series between the Bolts and the Leafs, in which I think it's a must win, man. Like, I'll be honest with you, the Leafs lose tonight. I think it's curtains. It's game over. They're not going to get a win in game six and game seven. It's just, it's, it's nearly impossible to beat a Lightning team after they lose a game. So even if, you know, they win tonight. If you win in game six in Tampa, they come back even stronger after a loss, and Toronto seems to just fade after a win. We've seen that. So, you know, we'll we'll talk about why tonight is must win, why we like Toronto tonight, what we what we could look forward to, and why tonight gives you a little bit more better of a chance to win than in the previous two games. But before we get into all that, we get to our keys to the game and whatnot. I figured it's a perfect time through four games. Both teams have had two rogues, uh, two home games. It's a perfect time to kind of just sit back and say, what have we learned in this series through the last four games? So, Dave, I pose that question to you. We're through four. The series is tied at two. You've had a blowout from either side so far in this game, uh, so far in this series. Like, what have you learned about either team? But, you know, what have you learned about the Maple Leafs, I guess, more specifically? Uh, it's really hard to gauge the play in some cases because there's been so much time spent, you know, on special teams that neither team has, you know, at times, hasn't really been able to get much of a rhythm going at five on five. The the, the special teams have really dominated this series. Um, maybe it's not something we were, I'm surprised about, but I did not expect it to get to this point where we've seen teams, you know, Tampa get eight power plays in a game or, you know, the Leafs, even as good as they've been shorthanded, like the, that, like that, that's probably one of those things. And then the other thing really is we're, we're, we're seeing some of the trends carry over from past years where the star players have, been, have not been terrible, but they haven't been good enough for the Leafs in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that one uh, wholeheartedly. So we'll kind of start with those two, and then we can kind of keep dissecting this. There's a couple other things that I feel like I've learned as well. But 
Um, yeah, the, the, there's been a lot of it's been a very undisciplined series so far. And I think both teams got to clean it up, both at Tampa and Toronto. Because if you look at it, you can I can look at a stat sheet, not even look at the goals, just look at literally the stat sheet and see how many penalties one team has taken and how many power plays the team has been awarded. And I could probably tell you who won that game. Because that's really been a massive difference between winning and losing is what team has spent more time in the box. And that's been a big part of this thing. And it also kind of goes with the star players not getting it going. Because a guy like Austin Matthews, who is it's it's your best player, you take eight penalties like you did in a game four. That's, you know, all that power play time that you're giving to Tampa you know, you don't have your star player out on the ice because Austin Matthews doesn't kill penalties. It's not that he can't kill penalties, by the way. I've seen a lot of people saying, like, oh, how could you call Austin Matthews the best player in the world? He doesn't even kill penalties. It's not that he can't. It's just that you don't need him to. You don't want him getting hurt. You want to keep him for the offensive stuff, and it's just a, a way to manage minutes, ultimately. Uh, but that's an aside. But ultimately, you know, when you're spending so much time in the box, you're spending so much time shorthanded, you're keeping your stars off the ice. And it's it seems like it's really gotten them out of a rhythm, you know. And then when they get there, you know, Kevin BX did a good job of highlighting that he's fumbling the puck in the first period in game four and wasn't as crisp as he typically is. It's because he's not really getting his touch. He's not getting out on the ice because they're spending a, he's spending a lot of it glued to the bench watching the PK go to work. Luckily, the penalty kill has been decent so far, but it has, you know, killed them in a, in a game two specifically, not as much last night. There were seven for eight, but still it's throwing off the rhythm of those star players. And ultimately, you know, what I've learned is those guys got to get going. Like absolutely. Those guys need to get going specifically, um, you know, Matthews Marner, but also Tavares and Nylander. Like that's, that's the big thing, right? Their depth, the depth is getting it done. Like the, the they're deep enough to compete and the team, they can win with Jack Campbell and net. That's something that I think I've learned as well. We've seen Campbell steal a game. We've seen the depth come up big and steal a game. That game three, that's Campbell and the depth. They stole you one. The Stars need to go out and get the other three. They got one in game one. Now they got to go out and get two of the next three. And to do that, these guys got to start performing, man. It's it's For those two, Matthews and Marner in particular, to go through a uh, – to go through a – two games in a row now where they've been so ineffective is just you can't win with that. You really can't win with that. I have a couple of statistics that are pretty glaring, actually. Um, when Matthews and Marner are locked up against Sorelli, Point, and Kalorn through games three and four, they've been outshot six to one, outchance nine nothing, and have an expected goals percentage of 4.8%. Not good enough, my friend. Not good enough. So those guys got to get going. Yeah, no, they definitely do. Like they, you know, what's interesting is that I thought Tavares and Neander were better in that third period. Like we saw with the two goals, but they, I saw Tavares really pushing it. Like as much flack as he's been taken from the fan base, from the media, from a lot of people, I, it's not from a lack of effort for this guy. We kind of touched on this uh, with Sheldon Keith's comments on it too. He he's pushing, he's trying Marner. He, I'll give him this. He's playing a lot on the penalty kill. So yep. a lot of his energy is being spent there. And I feel like this is where I would want, you know what you can have on the penalty kill, but you gotta, you gotta watch his minutes there because he needs to be effective at five on five. He's, he's, he's in it tough with Sorelli 
point and Kalora, which that's a good line. That's a really good line. But Matthews, Marner, and whoever's on that line should be better. They're they're paid to be better. They're paid to get the the chances. They just have to figure it out. Like that that simply put, they have to figure it out. When I saw Austin Matthews in game two and the Leafs were down, take uh pretty much tell Ryan McDonough, I'm taking this puck. You're not gonna have much you're not gonna have much of a say about it. Feed Marner, feed bunting for that goal. That's what you need to see from Matthews and Marner to be successful in this series. It's not gonna come easy for them, but it's not supposed to. That's the playoffs for you. You gotta make your chances, you gotta make your breaks. Not seeing that from them. Yeah. Um, I've also seen some like obviously Tavares's plays, you know, it's it's concerning. We saw them show some good trends, I guess, towards the end of the period, like you alluded to. But I've seen uh some very kind of uh irrational we need to buy this guy out yeah conversation. So I a I'm not gonna ugh, I guess I am entertaining it. I'm not actually entertaining it. But I'm going to tell you why I'm shutting it down right away. Yeah. I was looking into it. Do you know how much cap savings they would have for the next three years if they were to buy out uh, John Tavares? Little to nothing, because guess what? He's paying a lot in bonuses. He would be a cap savings of six hundred and six thousand dollars. Yeah, six hundred and six thousand. That's it. So even if you buy him out, you are still paying ten point three. Basically, ten point four million of cap for the next three years, and then it drops off after that. But for the next three years, while he's still, you know, his the, the three years remaining on on his actual deal, you're not saving anything, man. You don't even get a full contract uh, worth of savings. So that's a conversation that can completely go out the wayside. This contract is not; it is buyout proof, absolutely buyout proof. So if that was entering your mind, I probably would. Tell One you uh, and out the other, gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> don't even, don't even, don't even think about it because it's not happening, and I don't want it to happen either. Like, it, no. deep down, like he's still a decent player. Don't get me wrong; he does a lot of good things. He was well, like ninety percent on the faceoff draws the other day. Like, there are things that he does that is good, but he has not been good enough. He has not no. earned his contract, and anybody, even John, says that himself. He knows he hasn't been good enough. It needs to be better. Tonight's a chance for him to go and do it because at the end of the day, actions speak louder than words. You can tell us that you need to be better, but until you do it, you, there's still going to be all that scrutiny on you. Uh, but unfortunately for the Maple Leafs, they're not getting out of that deal. Plus, he's their captain. I doubt they buy him out, even if it was uh, a little bit easier and there might be a couple million in cap savings. I doubt they entertain that anyways. Um, one other thing that I, I, I've learned so far, David, Jake Muzzin. Good player. Jake Muzzin proven to be Jake Muzzin that we were expecting to see, right? We were, hoping, we were hoping to see. And I think he's been better than what we've seen from him the last few years. Like, yeah. if you're looking at this sample size of the four games, this has been, I think, the most effective Jake Muzzin since he's come to Toronto. He's Perhaps. getting, he's adding off the offensive punch that we weren't expecting to see. He's hitting. Like he's he's bringing that physical edge that we were kind of hoping to see, and he didn't really see it right away. And a part of me thinks the reason why we're seeing that is that TJ Brody has allowed him to bring a little more freedom to his game, knowing that he's got TJ Brody at his side. He knows he can kind of take those a little more of those chances to really 
push the envelope a little bit of what he can do on the ice. Got a couple goals. Got a couple goals. But, uh, yeah, like you just look at that pairing as a whole, and I think you got to give a lot of credit to, to TJ Brody, too, who's, you know, he's also playing exceptional and helping prop up Jake Muzzin in a way. I mean, not to say that Muzzin doesn't, isn't deserving of it being a top four defenseman, but we've seen what it looked like when it's a guy like Justin Hall who's kind of weighing him down. The fact that he has a partner that's, you know, equal to and a little bit better than him. I believe really makes this pairing stand out. And if you want to take a look at the numbers here, Dave, the difference between um, or the stuff that we're seeing out of Muzzin and Brody uh, comparative to the rest of the defensemen so far in this series, they've been the best pairing by far. Uh, in 46 minutes of play at five on five, they have a near 60 expected goal differential. And that's the shutdown pair. Your shutdown pair who goes up against the, your opposition's best players, has a better expected goal differential when they're out there on the ice. I mean, you can't really ask for much more than that. Their expected goals against per 60 is 2. But when they're on the ice, their expected goals for is 2.9. So, you know, they are actually outproducing, outchancing, um, and getting the puck out of their zone. They're, they're limiting the Tampa Bay Lightning of actually producing much offense at 5-on-5. Five and they've been the better pairing. It, 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 they may have been outside of, I guess, probably you know, Hedman and Hedman and uh, Chernak probably been the best pairing out of all, mm-hmm. everybody in this series. I don't think I'm gonna say that, but Muzzin and Brody probably number two ahead of Riley and Labushkin. I mean, Riley and Labushkin surprisingly not good, and, and probably had their worst game together. But their expected numbers. 37.9% expected goal differential uh, with Riley and Labushkin through 41 minutes of game time. 3.2 expected goals against per 60. So it's a full goal more that Riley and Labushkin are averaging or a full goal that they are expected to give up based on their play, based on the chances that they give up, the quality of chance that they give up, than Muzzin and Brody and the quality of competition that Muzzin and Brody are facing, much higher than Riley and Labushkin. So, yeah, yeah, I've heard some people really, I, I, I don't think it's been talked about enough, but they've really, Riley and Labushkin have kind of gotten a little bit of, uh, people are pushing out the envelope of that. They haven't been as good as maybe we've thought or if we yeah. think they haven't really yeah. been, it hasn't been, it hasn't been magnified, I think, to the point, really. And I think that's a perfect time to kind of transition here into game five. Right. And so let's transition to game five. And before we get there, though, let me tell uh, all of our good folks listening or watching on YouTube about one of today's show sponsors. It's our favorite. It's betonline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sport developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, the NHL playoffs, fights, and even the next NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano, Dave Morrissuti with me. We are hosts here at Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leafs podcast. We got new episodes coming out to you each and every day, Monday through Friday. And if you missed it, we even had a bonus episode that we put out uh, Friday night, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. It was like midnight or so. 
um, after game three. So if you want to hear our thoughts on game three, you're going to have to go back to go check out the YouTube Mm -hmm. uh, exclusive podcast that we did of a game three post show. If you want to check that out, but also just subscribe and be part of the YouTube fam. We'll have a bunch of of YouTube exclusive stuff kind of coming up uh, as well. Um, So shifting back to Toronto for game five, Dave, I think this is good news for Toronto who struggled particularly offensively in Tampa Bay. So getting back home, having last change, certainly going to be a big help uh, here for the Maple Leafs uh, going into game five. Yeah, I think they need to find a way to get their matchups to work a little bit better, Um, especially with their top stars, right? You need to get them on the ice against different competition, putting them in different situations too. Um, And I think the other thing too, uh, actually, no, I'll save that for for later in the show. But yeah, I think the bigger bigger one, yeah, the last change is going to be important. And I think just the crowd, that was a really, really, I don't think we really talked about it in the last that was a really loud crowd at Amelie. Oh, Holy yeah. cow. Like, that's that's not easy. Minute. No, you get a goal in the first minute, and it gets even louder, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the definitely you get home. Not only do you have you know, home ice, so you get the last change, but also you get a, a roaring crowd. If you are going down to the game, if you're listening to the show, you're going down to the game tonight, you got to make as much noise as possible. We saw in game one how pivotal – uh, the the home ice advantage and the home crowd was. Sheldon Keefe said it was the first star of the night. That's got to be the case in Game Five as well to give this team a, a little bit of a a little bit of a push because seems like they may need a little bit of a push sometimes. And and maybe you know the home crowd, the cheers of the Toronto uh, fan base could potentially get that get that to happen. But you're right. Um, for me, you know, being able to skirt around that Sorelli points and Headman matchup that has really bogged down Matthews and Marner to me is going to be huge. They're, they got to figure a way to get those two going specifically. So what we saw in games one and two was it was the Tavares line that were matched up against those guys. And they did a pretty good job of limiting them. They didn't get much going offensively, uh, which is, I guess what you got to ask for. And then we saw Matthews and Marner score in the first couple of games, um, whether it was on the power play or at five on five, we did see them put pucks in the back of the net. So they got to try and, and get back to that and get away from those guys and expose Tampa's matchups as much as possible. If that means double shifting, you know, Matthews and Marner and whatnot. You know, you go for a skate as if you're going to fake a change. They throw out the third line or the fourth line, and they go right back out to the out to the ice. And next thing you know, you know, it's going to end up being, what, Nick Paul taking a, a face-off against Austin Matthews or, you know, whoever it may be. Maybe, you know, it's Pierre Belmar versus Austin Matthews. and. You like that matchup a heck of a lot more. I could guarantee you that. Uh, so, like that, that's something that I think they got to try and do tonight. Uh, in terms of any other in-game adjustments, anything else that you would like to see? Um, I'd like to see a little more um, tenacity from this mm. Leafs team. And what I mean by that, pretty much, is don't don't be afraid to push the envelope a little bit. I'm not saying go out there and hit everything in sight and maybe take a dumb penalty or something like that, but let Tampa know you're there. Let Tampa know that whatever they do, there's going to be a response. There so, wasn't a response when Tampa scored. They were allowed to score, you know, f- was it three? Well, they went up three, nothing. And then they went up four, nothing before Toronto even got anything going. It was three, nothing. Toronto had one shot on goal. 
Yeah, Thank my you. point exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like like have have more one sh- have more than one shot on goal before you know when Tampa's up three nothing. That, yeah, that was preferably, the big- preferably you could at least have as many shots as they do goals eight minutes into a hockey game, but you know. Apparently, yeah. sometimes they don't want to do that. I would imagine that's not the case tonight, though. I would imagine that they they do come out uh, and play well. They responded in Game 3, right, after losing Game 3, or after losing Game 2. So hopefully they can have a nice response here coming out of the gate in Game 5, much like they did last time coming off of a loss. So, you know, it's not just Tampa who can fire back after losing. Toronto can do it, too. They've already done it once. Can they do it again? That's kind of the that's the that's the question that we're going to learn here. So you talk about tenacity. Now we get to the 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 interesting part. So uh, there was practice, you know, uh, yesterday, but it, or there was no practice yesterday. Rather, bit of a rest day heading into the game, a travel day, if you will. Uh, so we we don't know what the lines are going to be. But Sheldon Keefe was asked, you know, is there going to be any any lineup changes? And he said, no decision has been made yet. So as of recording this right now. There has been no decisions made on the lineup changes as of now. But Dave, would you envision potentially seeing uh, a different lineup, maybe like you said, get some of that edge back in there, whether it's a Clifford or a Simmons um, up on the fourth line, or maybe you can see Timothy Lilligren getting in there. Like, Do you see any lineup adjustments that you would like Keith to make? I think yeah, getting Timothy Lilligren back in there would be a good start. When it comes to Simmons or Clifford, it all depends on who who you considering taking out, right? Is Michael Bunting healthy enough to play? That's that's a big one there. He like, is Michael Bunting been effective enough? Like, he was effective in game two when he got in, but we saw that you know maybe maybe the the knee is not really respond or the leg is not responding in the way that they're they were hoping. So I'm wondering, do you try to get someone who's a bit healthy and that can give you a little bit more um, in there? You know, it's all about who are you taking out. Tasha, I, I oh wait, are you suggesting taking Bunting out of the lineup? No, 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 no. I'm saying if, only if he's not healthy. If he's not healthy, don't play him. But if he's healthy, you let him play. Well, he's not healthy. I'll tell you that right now. He is definitely not healthy. But if he's he's pushing though, he's not he like he's been he'll, be, he'll be just as healthy in Game Five yeah. than he was in Game Three or Four. So if that's the case, are you taking him out? Probably not. I don't see him coming out unless it's like, unless you never know. He might, we haven't seen the, we haven't seen him skate. We hadn't, they didn't skate today. Unless he's re-aggravated something. I don't anticipate him coming out of the lineup. I'm not asking to take him out. I'm just saying that if that could be something to watch for because he's been limited. Um, Yeah. You're the only one you may want to consider taking out of the lineup is, is Jason Spezza kind of that in and out guy because You know, he didn't really do much in the last game. He took some penalties, which I'm just like, this is not Jason Spezza that we've come to know. Can we be but- honest, though? Why the hell did only Spezza get the penalty for yeah. that? I, I mean, like him and Maroon were going back at Maroon gave him a little can opener and dumped him on his ass. How are they both not going to the box for that? That was the, the inconsistent type of refing that really cheesed me in game four. It's like, if he's going to go for what he did, how do you not make him go for probably something that was more dangerous and worse, to be quite honest with you? Similar move, but it was probably worse because Spets actually took a bit of a spill. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it just seems like the refs, 
it's the one that takes it the extra mile, right? Because we saw Sergachev get pulled out, and he or he was like, "Oh, why me?" And like the refs were like, "Because you punched the guy when well, there was a scrum." The guy square in the face, <laughs> like he's just grabbing your jersey because he has to. You're straight up punching the guy in the face. What do you mean, why you? Like, what? That's <laughs> so dumb. But to me, like Maroon though, Maroon did the had the more egregious act, and he got away with it. Spets is the one who went to the box. Yeah, it's 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 been tough to gauge what the refs' decisions are. This is why, like, is will Clifford and Simmons really solve anything? I don't think. If I had my choice, I probably put Clifford in because he can. He'll bring. I don't know. I, it just seems like Simmons. There's something missing with him when he's on the ice. Like he's he's just there kind of to be a, a bit of um, what's the disturber. Yeah, that and. He's kind of playing like the Leafs cop. He's the Leafs cop on the ice. They're like, he's keeping an eye on everyone. And, you know, something happens. He's like, all right, Simmons is on the case. We right. don't, they don't, Leafs don't need that. The Leafs needs, you know, when they need energy. I, Kevin Bieks has said this. The fourth line has to bring energy. The third line has done it, but the fourth line needs to also do it. Um, So that, that could be the, that could be something that changes, but. I don't know. Is how much that really going to make an impact? That's the other thing, too. Yeah, I, I think being at home makes it easier to put in a guy like Clifford um, or a guy like Wayne Simmons. Like you talk about needing energy, like those guys will go out, lay a hit, that'll get the crowd going. Right. So you can also look at it that way. But also just the fact that y- y- you you won't get picked on as much uh, because you have that last change. So you, you would feel comfortable. I get more comfortable putting them out if the, the fourth line comes out for Tampa Bay first. Whereas if you're in a situation where you put your fourth line out, hoping that John Cooper responds with the fourth line, lo and behold, they send out Kucherov and uh, Stammer. You feel better with Spezza there when you're on the road. But now at home, maybe that's why you do make the change. and You go with one of those other guys, more energy providers, if you will. We'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. Um, one more little quick note, I guess, before we kind of get to our keys of the game and our final prediction. Uh, Rasmus Sandin was they were asked if he could potentially factor into the game, and Sheldon Keeps said uh, no. Uh, he's healthy. He could play, but he doesn't want to drop him in mid-series, and so it doesn't look like we'll have a Sandin sighting unless they make it through to round two. To me, this kind of screams that. <sighs> I mean, yeah, I guess you don't want to put him in there since he hasn't played in a while. Mm-hmm. But also, I think back to that game against the uh, the New York Rangers when the Maple Leafs were called out by Sheldon Keefe and they were called soft. Sandin was given an opportunity to be a top four defenseman that night, and he got bodied out, yeah. like boxed out by Ryan Reeves. Uh, he literally could just got you know manhandled on two goals. And, uh, you know, the, it, it cost him. So I wonder if in the back of Sheldon Keith's mind, he's saying Tampa's a tough team. They're a strong team. They're a heavy team. I don't know if I could put Sandine in that situation. Let's have, you know, more uh, the Halls, the Labushkins, you know, even the Lilligren, who's just got a little bit more, a little bit more size and, and bite to them as opposed to Roland Sandine, who's more of a, a smooth skating skilled player. I mean, we've seen Sandine bring a bit of a physicality to his game, but not. I don't like when you're coming back from an injury like that. You're not the first thing you're thinking about is not going out there and 
you know, roughing, toughing with guys and trying to be knee physical. injury, right? Yeah. Knee injury. You're going to play it a little bit safe. You don't want to do something that's going to potentially re-aggravate it as well. There's, you can't put in a guy who might be, I'm going to say he's going to be timid, but he, he's going to, there might be some, you know, second guessing at times in certain situations because the, you haven't been playing at game speed too, right? You can practice all you want, but getting back to game speed is a totally other situation. This is where not having the Marlies playing right now doesn't help in that regard too. Yeah, it's you're right. Like he would have played a game or two there just to get himself going a little bit. Uh, no, someone else, somebody actually mentioned this to me too. Um, somebody thought, well, what about Nick Robertson? Could they put him into this series? I said, well, you have to think, is he a better option than what the Leafs already have? It's that's a, that's another tough one to say too. Yeah, I I don't know. Who are you taking out, right? Like, are you going to roll with uh, a Blackwell, Bunting, and Nick Robertson as your fourth line? You know, that's really, I guess, what you would be doing, right? Taking out Spezza. Because at this point, it almost feels like, as long as everyone's healthy, that's the rotation, right? That spot on the wing, whether it's Spezza, Simmons, Clifford, whoever the heck else you want to call up, I guess you could put Robertson into that conversation. Because the rest of the 11 guys are probably pretty well penciled in, I think. I think. I could be wrong. But that's what I believe. And I don't know if you necessarily want to want to put Robertson in that situation over uh, a couple of those other vets um, who just know how to play playoff hockey. I could be wrong. Could be an option. But I I, I just don't, I don't think it happens. No, I, I, I just think you, you can't put guys in, especially with game five being so vital. Yeah. You know, you just don't want to put your players in that situation. Oh, definitely not for game five. Definitely not for game five. It's must win, Dave. It's definitely a must win game. I'll say that. It is must win for the Maple Leafs. And there's been zero lead changes as well for uh, <laughs> for this entire series. Why don't we get to the keys to the game? Because it leads in perfectly to one of my keys. And that's score the first freaking goal. Because, like I said, who has ever scored first so far has gone on to win the game, and there has been no lead changes in this entire series. So you score first, you get the lead, it doesn't change. You keep it, you build on it, you win the game. That's how it's gone so far. So that first goal is going to be pivotal, especially at home. You get the crowd back into it. Hopefully you can score early. Um, that's going to be one of the keys to to the game for me. And maybe a way you do that, one of my other keys, you somehow get Matthews away from Hedman, Point, and Sorelli, and you let him dominate against lesser competition. You get the matchup that you want and let him do his thing. Him and Marner got to produce here in Game 5 for this team to win it. If they don't produce, I don't see a victory coming their way. Um, and they have a pretty good opportunity to do so with last change and being able to dictate the matchups. And uh, the, I guess it goes to my my final key, and that's stay out of the box to allow all of that to happen. Allow those guys to do their thing. So that's kind of what I think is is the recipe for success going into tonight's game. Uh, what are your keys, Dave? Um, Jack Campbell just needs to give the Leafs a chance at the start of the game. I'm not blaming him for what happened in, in game four. Um, I think it was a right call to get him out because – you just you, you don't want to put first off get get him thinking about the next game 
give him give him the game the rest of the game off. I think Sheldon Keith made the right decision to take him out. Um, but he's gonna have to be ready for that first ten minutes of the game, uh, to give the Leafs the best chance to try to get that early lead. So that's one key for me there. Second key, you know what? Uh the Leafs have to find a way to if 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 they get a power play early, that that first power play unit's you know, gonna have to get some bodies in front, find a way to get some traffic in front of Andre Vasilevsky. I mean, the you know, you could see the balancing of calls a little bit. We've seen this in the playoffs. Tampa got a bunch in the last game. The Leafs could be due for some if that is the case. Um, and the last one is composure. I, I think there's been a lack of composure from at least, you know, a lot of the penalties they took, a guy, you know, like I think at one point Andre Kasha got his t- stick grabbed and he tries to fling it out. And guess what? He high sticks the guy in the face. You have situational hockey, guys. You have to think and be composed in those situations because that Tampa is going to want you to be undisciplined, unhinged. Don't let them do that. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more, buddy. Um, and the traffic thing, not just on the power play. Well, all, all situations, but mainly power right? play. Like, just get guys on, in front of Vasilevsky. I mean, you look back, you can th- I can think of numerous goals that they've – most of the goals that they've scored have only, have – like I don't say only been, but a majority of the goals have been because there's been traffic in front, which has thrown Vasilevsky off. He doesn't have a clear sight to the puck. He can't react quick enough. I mean, uh, Muzzin's goal, traffic in front. Both of Marner's goals, traffic in front. You know, so you know, if you can get traffic in front of the net and kind of screw with the eyes of the goaltender and get him off his game a little bit, get him searching for pucks as opposed to, being in position in his crouch position, I believe that uh, that that might put the, the the Maple Leafs in a pretty good position to try and score. All right, Dave, final prediction: What are we seeing tonight? Uh well, I'm going to be at a the the what are they calling it? The Ford VIP party. Oh yeah, going to get some nice some nice food. We found out who's going to be there. No, uh, my sister went. Uh, for game four, Corson was there, right? What was that? I think I saw Corson was there. He was there the game four. It was Nick Antropov, Leaf Legend. Nick Ooh. Antropov was there. Antropov was there. Um, so I don't know. I'm curious to see who they bring out. It's, I think it's gonna be the same, similar guy, person that they'll have at the at the tailgate, you know, being home, being this such a pivotal game. Let's hope they bring out someone. I think Kyberly has been there out there too, so it could be it'll be interesting to see. Um, Wendell. Maybe it'll be a little Wendell. Wendell would be nice. It'd be a nice little homage. Uh, maybe Dougie, if Dougie's around, if he's uh, the winning vibes, get the get the winning vibes there. Um, I'll go with my prediction will be four two Leafs. Buds, you're looking at my screen. I got a four two Leafs final prediction as well, my guy. I think we got to put a little bet on that then. <sighs> We might have to put that would make the Leafs puck line winners. So we're we gonna go and place a little wager at uh, at Bet Online on the Leafs puck line tonight. Do we like that, Dave? Do we feel strong enough about that? We might. We might. Might have I, got, to I got a little bit of a cold streak, so I got to snap out of it. So let's uh, do our best. Let's do it. We're firing that wager up. It, hopefully it, it pays off. Let's hope it pays off, pal, because that'll make us double happy. A, because we'll win money, and B, the Leafs will have a 3-2 
series lead. Uh, let's hope that they come out firing tonight, though. It's it's a I'll say it one more time, a pivotal game tonight. Must win, in my opinion. Uh, so let's hope that they can get it done. If you're down there, enjoy the game. Cheer loud and proud. Uh, and if you're on your uh, you know on the couch, cheer loud and proud as well. As I know that I'll be doing that. And Dave, have fun tonight down at uh, it's at Real Sports. It's at Real Sports. Got the VIP go. lounge. There you go, pal. You'll have a blast, and we'll be back with you guys all uh, tomorrow morning. We'll be breaking down the game of Game 5. Hopefully we got some good stuff to chat about. But that's going to do it for us here today on the pod. I to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms. and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. Follow the show, on, uh, the show as well at Lockdown Leafs. And uh, also go and follow us and subscribe on YouTube, Lockdown Leafs on youtube leave a comment below your prediction for tonight it's a goal score too someone you think will get uh get one by basilevsky tonight that'll be in the comment section below if you are part of the youtube clan uh all right that does it for us here today we'll be back tomorrow to break down game five but until then keep it locked right here